Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. This morning, we're going to talk about promise number nine. And I've I've really been thinking for the last, oh, maybe month and a half, Pastor contacted me and said, I want you to do promise number nine. He gave us a list, and I picked number nine and one other one. And due to my age, he said, I'll let you go last. So it's good to be this age, so I had time to prepare for the text, and we'll see how prepared I am this morning. But I want to just read a few words of each promise that we have so far. I mean, why not begin this study with fear not? Because do we not live in a day and time where we need to hear fear not? My God will supply every need according to his riches. Do we not need to hear this when so many things are shut down and everything is questionable? And God is able to make all grace abound to you. And we're going to talk about grace today, but abound, plenty of grace coming in our direction. I will never leave you or forsake you. I need to hear that. I need to know when my body and my nerves are not working together quite well as they used to. I need to know that God will not leave me or forsake me. And then to know that the Lord is a sun and a shield. I'm going through the Old Testament right now. I find myself in 1 Kings and and 2 Kings, excuse me, and Solomon is making these golden shields. I don't know what shield God has in mind, but... Knowing what we do know about God, he is a God who is well prepared and well supplied. Who did not spare his own son. It's good to know that God loves us so much he was willing to pay the ultimate price. Surely goodness and mercy. If you're in need of mercy this morning, you know somebody who is, please reach out to that mercy. It is available. Last week's resist the devil. First submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Good to know. And this morning, it might be up on the screen already, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Father God, we thank you this morning that we can look at promise number nine. We look forward, Lord God, to knowing that your grace is sufficient in whatever our need is. There's always enough grace, always enough grace to go through it, to go climb over it because of who you are and the promise that you have made in your word. These promises are your promissory notes to us. Thank you for them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a verse of Scripture, and it's one of those verses that is well hidden in some of the more boring parts of the text of the Old Testament. It's found in Numbers 23 and verse number 9. And when I say numbers, we all moan because there's a whole list of rituals, of things that need to be done. And yet here in chapter 23, verse number 9, there it is. It is a treasure buried deep within the text. But here it is. And I need to know that this morning when we take a look at my grace is sufficient for here's what it says. You might have it memorized. God is not a man that he should lie, and we have heard lots of lies. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. So if you take a look at the promises, they are yea and they are nay. Can I say you can take them 
to the bank, whether it's online or offline, it doesn't matter. Now we can't go in. You can go by the window, but you can take this to the bank of heaven. God made a promise. He will keep it. He honors his word, and he stands behind it. If he didn't, he wouldn't be God, and he wouldn't be truth. And he has said so, and will he not do it? I love this treasure. One of the greatest lies of the enemy that's alive in the world today is that maybe we don't measure up. A couple of weeks ago, our son was preaching in, in Charleston to his youth group, and he said this, but this line stuck with me, and I want, you to, I want to share this line with you. He who designed you defines you. You say, we are created. God had us in mind. He knew exactly where my fingers would be, where my nose would be. If I had to design it, man, it would be totally different. But God knew exactly what he was doing. And maybe from time to time you have had this nagging feeling that maybe you, like me, don't measure up. For me, my age, my failing strength, if you watch me walk, I I have a limp because I have nerve damage after back surgery a number of years ago. Great job that the doctor did. And uh, being German, I argue with doctors quietly, but I do the things I want to do, not what I'm told to do, not what I can do, but what I want to do. And I am now paying the price for what I shouldn't have done, but I did. So I have some nerve damage. I have no pain. No, no, I have no pain. But I, I walk funny. So I was watching the kids. Well, my eyes were about, my head, my, no, my, my head was closed. My, no, my, my head was about, my eyes were closed, and, and I heard the pitter-patter. And I said, man, if I did this, I would waddle like a duck because I cannot run like the kids run anymore. And due to this, this age that I'm now approaching, I, I shared with Sister Honey, I said, babe, I want to simplify my life. I like coming home. I like sitting in my chair and, and read. I, I love to read. I probably manage to read six, seven books a month, and at the end of that, I, I give them away because I've read them once, so. But you know what's really amazing now? I've read all these books. So the other day, I went to Ollie's. Have you ever been to Ollie's? And I love the book section. I mean, you have to really hunt. And I thought I found these treasures of books that I have never read before by authors that I liked. So I bought three of them. Well, I go home and I get the suspicious feeling, pull up old books that, in which I log these books down, right? Because I, I have a cell phone, but I don't know that I can keep records on there to look it up. I guess I'm lazy. Actually, I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to break my phone and AT&T is going to fall apart if I hit the wrong button. That really is my great fear, that I am the guy that's going to bring the world to a standstill because I don't know how to handle technology. It's my fear, as, past, as anybody in this church. I'm willing to try certain things, but today I'm simple. My PowerPoints, we're going to have some this morning, are not fancy. They are just black and white, and there they are. Because, again, I'm afraid that I'm going to ruin the PowerPoint company. But I told her, I said, I want to simplify my life. And anyways, I was with the books. So I get home, I look at James Patterson. I like Patterson. You may not, but I like Patterson. I like Kessler and, and all these guys. Two of the three, I've read before, $3.99 a piece, so that's $7.98. Oh, boy. Jeannie said, what? I said, babe, I have some gifts in mind for people. I'm going to wrap them up and give them away, so I'm, I'm ahead of the game for Christmas. But here's the decision I've made. If I wanted to simplify my life, and maybe this will encourage your heart.
What I want to do is I want to look less at my problems and more at the promises of God. Because when I look at my problems, I get overwhelmed. When I look at the promises of God, I'm encouraged. I get hope. Here's, here's our promise today. My grace is sufficient for you for my power. Think about the power of God is made perfect in our weakness. We're going to get to the point. I need this theology to know that in my weakness, the grace of God is so sufficient, I will make it to the end. You see, this here is not the kingdom of God. And if you've watched, and, and I encourage you if you haven't, there is a, a, a series they've only done year one. It's called The Chosen. If you haven't seen it, see how you can get a hold of it. It's marvelous. It's absolutely great to sit there and, and watch it. And Ginny and I, we're going to watch it again because at my age, I forget what I did the first time. But I need to let you know that this is not the kingdom of God. Here, evil rules and common sense is missing. And so please don't be surprised by evil that you may read about or hear about. But also I need to share with you that as much as evil is present, God does what he does because he is God. You see, in the movie The Chosen, Jesus in one part is talking to Peter, and they had this discussion, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, get used to different. I need you to know that we need to get used to different. I don't know when this is going to end, and I don't know enough about God, but what I do know means it's exciting, because I don't know everything. You don't know everything there is to know about God, but whatever He has in store, it's not only marvelous, it's awesome, and we can trust Him, for God is not a man that He should lie. He isn't the Son of Man that He even needs to repent. And the Bible promises are for us. And today's promise is an answer to the prayer of Paul. If you're familiar with the text, it's in that portion where 14 years prior to this particular portion, Paul had a vision. God took him into heaven. He showed him everything there was. But out of that came this thorn in the flesh. And three times Paul prayed. And three times there was no answer except this one. My grace is sufficient. But the reason this particular promise strikes me is because if you go to the beginning of the verse, it says, and he said to me. Now, anytime I, I read that, and he said to me, I'm going to pay attention. Because the he said to me, who is that he? It's the he of Genesis chapter 1, verse number 3. And he said, let there be light, and there was light. I need to know with certainty that the one who spoke light into being created, the earth created you and I, is the same one who stands behind the promises. It's the one who will keep it. Promissory note. God signed on the dotted line. He put his name to it. You can take this word and you can believe it. You can anchor your hope in it. And I will see you through. The answer sometimes is no. And it's a definite no. And sometimes it's maybe. Because I need to grow. I need to learn that even in the silence of heaven, my God is there. Because the scripture says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the only way I know that the scripture is real, I need to have the silence of heaven that I can stand and build my faith in that word of God. It's not for me to argue why. 
It's for me to believe God and say, you are my Savior, and I need this word alive in my heart. And here's the second slide. And it comes out of a question. Because the question is, what is sufficient faith? So I did a little bit of work. Sufficient faith or, or grace means enough grace. God supplies us with as much grace as we need for every situation we face. And I need his grace in illness, in financial setbacks. I need grace when I lack wisdom. I need grace when I lack social skills, and I do. I'm German. And German, uh, you may not know that, but let me just give you an insight in, into Germans. We know what we know, and we're happy with it. We like what we like, and we're happy with it. And if we don't like it, we'll tell you. Those are the three things you need to know about Germans. Once you know that, you got us figured out. And I don't know if anybody else is like that, but then you're German. But see, I also need grace when I face death. When I was a chaplain in our hospital system for a number of years, every week, every week there was a phone call. And every week I would go and be at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. I'd be at the hospital. I'd be at the bed in the neonatal section or the emergency room. And I need that grace. People don't want to hear what we have to say. I wasn't there to say anything. I was there to be there. You see, Paul needed that grace when God three times in a real sense said no. But Paul was not only disciplined, he was wise. Can I tell you why he was disciplined and wise? Because here is a man, we speculated it was Paul, who looked into heaven, who saw the third heaven, he saw the promise of God, the glory of God. And he didn't write much about it. In today's time, let me apologize for the, the, today's authors. We would write about, this is what heaven looks like. This is what Jesus looks like. This is what I saw. And we would write volume after volume, and we'd be on TBN or some other shows, and we would talk about it, but not, not Paul. Paul said, what I want to talk to you about is, in my weakness, God Christ is made strong. You see, here in this world, we have discomfort and pain on our way to glory. For the last six months, I've had the pleasure of writing a column here at the church, and I mail it out weekly, and one column is, or one article series is, Burst of Hope, the other one is Hope for the Grieving Heart. I need to let you know it's not easy to write. And some is based upon personal experience. Some comes from what friends have shared with me, and, and some comes from research I've done and am doing. But this much I'm learning. The grieving process takes time. And people who are grieving don't necessarily care what we have to say. And don't say much, but pray much. Pray that the grace and the peace of God will rule and reign in their hearts. Pray that their faith remains strong. Pray that our ears would ever be open, our lips would be sealed, and only speak when spoken to. You see, people don't want necessarily help, but they want to know that we care. So it's the power of presence, not the power of speech. And tears are a valuable part of the grieving and the healing process. 
But you see, suffering and loss can either make us bitter or better. Some of you might remember Ted Turner, uh, founder of TBS and CNN and 24-hour news channels. And some people said that he may have been saved. I I don't know that. But what I do know and what I've read and studied is that Ted became very bitter when the sister that he loved, he prayed for, and she died and didn't get healed. I need that grace of God in my moments when I'm getting bitter to say, God, see me through this, please. And one of the realities that we all will face here in this life is disease, setbacks, and death. All of us will face it. The Apostle Paul faced many crises, shipwreck, prison, whipped with 39 lashes. They thought that 40 might kill him. My other slide is simply this. Let's take a look at the scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. And I love it. I love it when the verse starts out with this word. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, please, not on what we see, not on what we hear, but we fix it on the unseen, the promises of God. For what is seen is temporary. What is not seen is permanent. You see, I need an eternal perspective when I go through things. One of the realities of life is that we all have an expiration date. We don't know when it is, but God does. Remember, he who designed you defines you. We are not accidents. We have not evolved. We were created. We were created by Almighty God. Take a look at Psalm, slide number 4. Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before any of them ever came into being. So you let me know if God knows us or doesn't. I believe God knows us intimately. You see, the eternal perspective is far better than the, than the temporary. One of my ventures into technology is Facebook. It's, 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 it's a dying thing. It's about as old as a dinosaur, but I fit in. But about two, maybe three months ago, I came across this posting, and I don't know who the author is. It didn't say because on Facebook, it starts someplace over here and ends up, in this case, it ended up in my account. But I like what it said. It says, your terrible job is the dream of the unemployed. Your house is the dream of the homeless. Your smile is the dream of the depressed. Your health is the dream of those who are ill. So don't let difficult times make you forget your blessings. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. It is good to view things in the light of eternity. Look at Romans 8, 18. For I consider the present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed 
to be revealed. Sorry. Slide number five. Focusing on the eternal helps us to deal with the temporary setbacks. God's grace is sufficient regardless of causes, conditions, and circumstances. And here are some promises that, are, that we didn't list, but are still part of God's word. I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. So when the heavens are silent and I haven't heard God say, Rick, this is the answer I have, this is the one promissory note by God. This is the one I can lean on. You can lean on. I am with you always. Whether I feel him or not, God is present in our life because he said he would. And 1 John 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. In my library, I have, I think I have a couple books left by him. I've been having fun, lots of fun giving books away. I've probably given 1,500 books away last year. We had some Mennonite carpenters come and just did a couple of minor things around the house, and I am not gifted. I have tools. I have a miter saw, electric, believe it or not. Um, I have a table saw, still in the box, but I have it. I have brad nailer and all the attachments and a uh, compressor, I think you call it, with the, with the air. It's not a generator, right? It's a compressor. I have that. Uh, still in the box. Because one of my goals was when I retired, I wanted to do some, I love, I love working with wood. I love the smell of wood. I love to be surrounded by, uh, not paneling, but by wood. Uh, like wood has different textures. Wood tells a story. Some wood is soft, some wood is not so soft, some wood is hard, but the, the fragrance of the wood, the story of the wood, fascinates the daylights out of me. I tried making this carpentry, uh, this this um, chess set one time in in shop class, and I thought I lined everything up, you know, all the squares that you have and and all that. So I cut out different colors, mahogany for one and, and maple, I think, for the other. And man, when I glued them together, this was really rickety looking stuff. But I tried, but it's in that class, in, in cutting the wood, the fragrance, the scent, excited me. And I, even then, I began to plan. And so I have 22-ounce hammers and uh, chisels and, and all these things. And I'm, I'm giving them away to my son. I'm giving them away to my son-in-law because uh, with this and, and surgeon here and bending for a little while makes it really hard. If you had back surgery, bear with me. Okay, after a while, this gets sore, and this gets sore, and the neck gets sore, and I need the promises of God to remind me. But I have this book by C.S. Lewis. It's surprised by joy. But when you read the story of C.S. Lewis, and, and when he lost his wife, her name was Joy Brown. Somewhat early in their relationship, their marriage, she passed away, and he became bitter. He became angry. He became depressed. He thought about leaving his faith. I want you to know, he that has begun that good work in you will finish it, irregardless of the valley, irregardless of the trial that you go through. So if you've been praying for a loved one, do not, do not give up. Because he that has begun that work, he, 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 he will finish that work. 
and about a year and a half, two years in, in, in dealing with the grief in his own life, he began to look at the promises of God. And out of this research that he's done in the promises of God, he wrote his most published book, Surprised by Joy. And if you have anything by C.S. Lewis, read it. It is, it is absolutely delightful to read. But here's what I've learned through some of the things I have gone through, and maybe you have done the same. In my weakest moment, God is the closest. You know why? I'm the most desperate. I'm the most desperate for Him to be there. I'm the less vocal and just dependent on His mercy and on His grace. And when it appears that the heaven is silent, a good rule of thumb is to remember what he has done. Let me just share a couple of phrases. And if you're giving to sing, you might even want to sing unto the Lord. You see, I sing in the bathroom, but I've noticed the other day some of the tiles are coming loose. I don't know if that is because of construction work or my singing. So I'm going to give up singing and see what it does to the tiles. I'm hoping it's the singing. But for instance, here are some scriptures. For by grace are you saved, it is a gift of God. He that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Another promise, cast all your cares on me, for, he care, for you care for me. Here it says, the Lord is the light of my salvation, the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If you like to sing, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Here's an old one in the Methodist hymnal. My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of God of Calvary, Savior divine, an old standard for us. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. On another slide, it says this. A good rule to go by in the promises of God, the silence of heaven, is to keep on praying. You see, Paul persisted in prayer, not because... He prayed until he had a definite answer, but Paul prayed because he knew that God was doing a work in him. Sometimes, no matter how long you pray, the answer won't be quite clear. But don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. And the reason I'm saying this, the, the next is a story about Johnny Erickson Tata. Most of you might know of her. But boy, what a, what a change that took place when she was 18 years old, a specific day as she her and some friends went to the Chesapeake Bay, not too far from here. Went swimming, went diving. If you've read her story, if you've watched anything on TBN or other stations, then you know that she became a quadriplegic because she misjudged the depth of the bay. And for two years, she was in, re she was in rehab, according to her autobiography. Great story, great read. But she became angry. She suffered from depression, suicidal thoughts, began to doubt her Christian faith. Then God did this amazing thing because she prayed and prayed and prayed. She prayed so much that she picked up a paintbrush with her teeth and began to paint. I want everything to go my way. I want to be put together again the way that I was. I don't want to deal with interruptions. But what if heaven says no? 
What if heaven says, Rick, my grace is sufficient for you no matter what it is that you're going through. Will I exercise and trust him? George Miller, when his first wife died, he had three, three wives. They all died before he did. But he came to this decision. God is still good. You know why? Because he will see them again in heaven. We have a promise that God has made and we rely upon that promise and God is the God of the yes and of a sure word. And if you've seen any of her artwork, it's amazing. She has written many books. She recorded several music albums. She starred in a movie about her life. She's an advocate for the unborn and the disabled. And in 2010, she became a cancer survivor. How much can you go through? I don't know, but God's grace is sufficient. Don't be tempted to look at others and ask God, why are you blessing them and not me? Can I share with you? His grace is sufficient. I am not strong enough. His grace is sufficient, and I need His grace every day of my life. You see, in this world, Jesus says, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I, Jesus, have overcome the world. Despite all of her troubles, Johnny gives glory to God and encouragement to other people. And recently, her song, and I'm bringing everything to a close. Alone, Yet Not Alone was nominated for Best Original Song. I listened to it this morning. We're going to listen to it at the end of the message. All I can share with you, there is a depth to this song. You do not get depth unless you have thorns. And by God's grace, thorns become splendid splinters of his presence. Let me share with you a story because grace and thorns go together. We know the scripture, whatever the evil one means for bad, God means for good. Here's the story. A missionary was passing out gospel tracts in central province of India. One man took this gospel tract of John. When he realized it was Christian literature, he tore it into pieces and threw them into the dirt. In the providence of God, another man came walking by and saw the pieces of paper laying in the dirt. He began to pick them up. He began to read and began to realize this is the Holy Scriptures. And God so spoke to him, to his heart. He convicted him of sin. The man repented. And he became a pastor in that same region where the track was torn up. What one man discards, another man finds a blessing. God My final point is simply this. Our thorns in the flesh are a tabernacle where the glory of Jesus dwells. I have never looked at my problems, my sorrows, as a blessing. But the only way that my flesh will submit is I need the thorn, and I need to realize that God flipped the script. The world is always looking for muscle, always looking for bravado, always looking for strength. Paul says, in my weakness, hallelujah, in my weakness, I am made strong. In my weakness, I will reach out to God. Friends, when I'm feeling good, it is a real challenge for me to read my Bible. I'm so sorry to tell you the truth. I argue with myself, do I read or not read? 
But the fact is, when I am broken, when I am hurting, I don't have that argument with myself. I am real as a God, I need you. And from time to time, God reminds me how much I need him. I'm far better now at reading my Bible than I was years ago. Because I'm realizing God flipped the script, and God is in charge. Verse number 9 again of 2 Corinthians 12, Therefore I will boast all more gladly of the weakness because that is where the power of God rests upon me. First John, I mean John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Can I share with you? When you look at the Greek wording, the grace of God rests upon me, in the Greek rests upon me is a compound word. It means God pitched a tent all around me. So in, in reality, God resides in us with his Shekinah glory. That's the Old Testament for the glory, for the presence of God. And I need to know that when I am feeling weak. In Revelation chapter 21, I think it's verse number 3, it says this, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the dwelling place, literally tabernacle of God, is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. You're familiar with the Old Testament tabernacle? It was only in one place. Secondly, in, in John 1, we realize that in Jesus, God tabernacled amongst wherever Jesus was, the glory of God was. But the day is coming when we will be in heaven, and we will be surrounded by the glory of God. Paul was saying we need to be weak so that he can be strong. And many times I think that the glory of God was revealed in, in the Mount of Transfiguration, but can I share with you that the glory of God was revealed on the cross when the Lamb of God died on the cross. Because it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 4, For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. Rather than living in fear of weakness, let us be thankful that in our weakness, God is strong. When we're tempted to be bitter, let us ask God's grace to be sufficient to bring us through our bitterness. It is in that weakness that we are made strong. Here's the text, and then we're going to listen to the song. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What a promise. What a promise for all of us today. May God add his blessings to this word. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.